It looks like we have sun for the next 15 minutes or so. March is a crazy month. Uh, I have just been watching the weather and you, you get through the winter time and it beca- starts to become spring and you have the snow that's on the ground and then it warms up a little bit and the sun comes out and it's 70 degrees and I think, oh, I have got to get out in the yard and get something done because look, the flowers are starting to come up and everything's starting to bloom and the weeds are taking over already. How have they done that? And uh, just as you get motivated to go out, then it rains. And the temperature drops 20 degrees and you just look at March and go, you are like a toddler learning to walk. You don't know what you're doing. And and as you watch the weather doing that and like the, the earth just in this transition doesn't seem to know what it's doing right now. It reminds me of our text this morning. So if you would uh, open your Bibles with me and we're looking at Romans chapter eight this morning. Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. The place that he starts in this, in verse 18, is I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. And so it, we, we have to just w- stop and, and back up a couple of verses so that we understand why we're talking about suffering suddenly. And so if we back up to verse 11, it says, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. And you look at at those verses that we covered over the last two weeks and you you see that uh, for those of us who believe that Jesus is our Lord and Savior, we are in this this place of tension. This this place where we know that Jesus has saved us and we anticipate that there is a coming glory where where we will be revealed as the sons of God. But for right now, we are in the midst of uh, these mortal bodies that don't do what we want them to do all the time. They get sick. They suffer. They, they uh, tempt us, lead us into sin, and, and we find ourselves struggling right now going, I know, I know that I am a child of God, and one day I will be with Him in glory forever, and everything will be perfect with Him, but for right now, I'm just struggling to get through today. 
There are times when Teresa and I, at the end of the day, will look at each other and go, well, we survived. I think today has had enough troubles of its own, and it's almost tomorrow, so let's go to bed. And, and it just feels like that sometimes, like you're just struggling, your, your body is struggling, your flesh is struggling, everything is struggling, and you know it's not supposed to be this way, but it's not there yet. And so you're just struggling in this. And so it says uh, in verse 16 that the Holy Spirit, the role of the Holy Spirit is to come within us and to remind us of that. That even when we're not feeling it right now, it's reminding us, you are a child of God. You are a child of God. The Spirit, Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Since we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. And then we get to verse 18. For I consider the sufferings of this present time. I I know, I know that you right now are suffering with Christ and anticipating the glory with Christ, but I just want you to know that in that anticipation that right now the sufferings, whatever they may be, whatever you're going through, do not compare. I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Oh yeah, it's hard. There's struggle, it's, it's challenging, but oh, when you see what it will be, it's going to be fantastic. Glory is going to be worth whatever the struggle is now. It's not even worth comparing. And then he goes on in verse 19 to say, for in fact, the creation... The creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Isn't that a weird thing to think about? That creation is waiting? All of creation. The the trees and the mountains and the rivers and the birds and all of the animals and the fish in the sea are just watching and waiting and going, when are they going to be revealed as the sons of God? When will they be revealed as the children of God? I know that I'm waiting for that day. But it's really weird to think that creation, all of creation, is waiting too. What are they waiting for? They're not children of God. I know because God compared us to sparrows one time and He says, I take care of the sparrows and I look out for them. And aren't you worth much more than sparrows? So what do the sparrows care God's taking care of them right now. What more do they need? But all of creation, it says, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Because, verse 20, for the creation was subjected to futility. Not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it. That the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. 
There is a sense in which creation is eagerly waiting and anticipating the glorification of the children of God because creation itself is under bondage and is waiting to be set free. And you know, creation didn't choose that. Creation didn't go, you know, I could really use some futility in my life. I'd, I'd just love to have some suffering. In, in Genesis uh, chapter 3, we saw Adam and Eve were in the garden. God had created the world and everything in it. He had created the fish of the sea. He had created the mammals on the land. He had created the birds in the air. He had created the plants and everything. And he said, this is good. This is so good. Look at what it does. Look at how it works. This is good. And Adam and Eve um, were tempted by the, by the snake and they took the fruit that they were forbidden to eat and they ate it. And this is one of the consequences. Uh, God says to Adam in Genesis chapter 3 verse 17, it says, And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree that I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles shall, bring, shall it bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And I can just imagine the ground going, What? Come on! I understand why you cursed the snake. I understand why there were consequences for the woman. I understand why you're doing something to Adam. But what did I do? Because of the fall, creation itself is put under constraints. And creation, verse 20 of Romans chapter 8, creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it. Because God said, thorns and thistles. Did you know the ground doesn't want to bring forth thorns and thistles for you? I agree with the ground. When I'm looking at my yard right now, and I'm seeing the stuff that's coming up. It's not the beautiful things that I want to have growing. There's just weeds everywhere. And me and the ground are both going, this is not right. The ground is going, can you please remove these things that should not be here so that I can produce good things and do what I was intended at creation to do? And I'm going, Bob, it's going to be by the sweat of my brow that I take those from you so that you can do what it was you were intended to do. Yup. That's the curse. All of creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it. And is, is now waiting, hoping, verse 21, that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. The, the, the creation is looking and going, look, when is it time? How long do we have to endure this? 
How long do we have to put up with this? Until the children of God are revealed and we can do what we were intended to do from the beginning. To bring glory and praise to God. Have, have you gone for hikes? I know it's a lot of work. But when you go for hikes, you get to see some really incredible stuff. You get out a little ways and you see trees that are enormous. Huge. Nobody's cut them down to put a house there. There's just these huge trees and they're everywhere. It's just this big forest. And as you hike along and you're hiking up a mountain, you've got this big forest and the higher up you get, then the thinner the trees get and it opens up into huge meadows with wildflowers in the spring. And you can hear the birds singing and, and flying around and if you're, if you're quiet and don't have children with you, you might see rabbits and deer and things like that. And you look at all of these things and go, this is so beautiful. This is amazing. Even in the midst of its being subjected to futility, still creation cries out and says, glory to God. And there are amazing things. That you, uh, I went down to Crater Lake. It was, uh, I'm confession, it's the first time I've ever been there. Last summer I went down to Crater Lake. It's beautiful. You all know that already. That's, that's good. If you haven't gone, I encourage you, go. It's beautiful there. It, you've, I've gone to the Grand Canyon and seen the, this huge expanse. It's beautiful. Zion National Park, it's beautiful. The, the, it's not that far from the Grand Canyon. The Grand Canyon gets a great reputation. Zion, not so much. Zion's really amazing. If you have to pick one of the two, I recommend Zion. I was out at the coast last week at, at seeing the ocean. It, just looking at nature all over, everywhere, it's beautiful. It just speaks to who God is. In fact, uh, when you're reading the Psalms, sometimes you get to various passages that talk about this. In, verse, in uh, chapter 96 of the Psalms, it says, Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for He comes, for He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in His faithfulness. L listen to, to how the creation is rejoicing in this. The field is exulting, the heavens are glad, the, the seas are roaring, everything is, is praising God. Because why? God's coming to judge sin. And creation is rejoicing in this because they're going, yes, it's time! It's time that sin is dealt with and we are rejoicing in the glory of God because He is going to come and He is going to deal with the curse so that it will be no more. Again, in Psalm chapter 8, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is Your name in all the earth. You have set Your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, You have established strength because of Your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at Your heavens... The work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. 
What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him? You've made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You've given him dominion over the works of your hands and have put put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and the beasts of the field, the birds of the heaven and the fish of the sea and whatever passes along the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. As, As I look at the heavens and I look at all of the things, I just have to say, God, how awesome are you? How awesome are you? As you look up into the sky at night and you see the stars stretch out forever. God, how awesome are you? Even even constrained to futility and not being able to do all that it wishes it could do, creation still proclaims how great God is. It still cries out. But because of the fall, we have been, uh, we along with creation have been um, subjected to futility. It, it's interesting to me, actually, because um, last year, 2017, there were quite a few natural disasters. Uh, hurricanes and, and things, and uh, what happened down in Puerto Rico. And, and it is interesting to me that when these things happen um, for a long, long, long time, people have gone, this is our fault. This is our fault. We recognize that, that uh, because of the sin of the fall... Creation does not operate as it ought to, and so these things happen. There are people who have believed that there are local gods, and because they have somehow angered their local gods, that these natural disasters have happened to them. And more recently, we have people going, we have done a terrible job of taking care of the earth and have been emitting too many greenhouse gases, and this is our fault. Isn't that amazing? People who believe in God, people who believe in other gods, and people who believe in no God all look at natural disasters and go, this is our fault. This is because of our sin. There is something inherent within us that recognizes that the place that we have been given in all of creation is to take care of creation. That's hardwired into us. We were given a special place in creation to have dominion over all of creation, to be stewards of it, caretakers of it. And what we recognize is that it is going to be broken until we get to glory. But what we also recognize as God's people who have God's word is that we are to be caretakers of this. We don't believe that we are going to solve all of the problems that exist in natural disasters. Or all of the brokenness that exists in nature around us. But we do recognize that we have a responsibility to use it well, to care for it, to be responsible with it, to not abuse our position within creation. 
It's an interesting place to be as God's people. Because we neither can be indifferent about what's happening, nor can we put all of our hope that somehow we will solve it. We are in this place in between going, we are going to take care of it as best we can right now. We are going to do all that we can to make creation as glorious as possible for God. And we are also awaiting, along with creation, the day that God will make all things new. The day that He will fix it all. The day that creation will do what it has been intended to do from the beginning. In fact, as we uh, look around at, at creation and we see how creation even now is speaking to the glory of God, I'm reminded of, of uh, Romans chapter 1.18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and his divine nature, have been clearly perceived since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. Doesn't creation have an interesting role right now? To be subjected to futility, not willingly and yet still proclaiming about God's greatness and who He is. So that His invisible attributes, the things that we can't see directly, we see the results in creation and go, this has to be God. This has to be God. And meanwhile, creation is going, but this isn't all there is. This isn't all there is. I know that you see the way that the birds fly through the air and you see the way that that things happen and you go, that's beautiful. I, I know the way that you go hiking and you see the mountains and how majestic they are and how the ocean stretches out forever and how magnificent the stars of the sky are and the, the beauty of the flowers. And you see all of these things and you see how awesome is our God who created all of these things and I want you to know this isn't even the half of it. We just can't show you the whole thing. We can't show you how spectacular we can be to the glory of God because we are limited. And we're waiting. We're waiting because that day is going to be so great. I'm telling you that the suffering that we're enduring right now doesn't even begin to compare to the glory that will be. In Isaiah... um, in chapter 55, uh, God is, is speaking to His people. And th- this is kind of a long passage, so I just want you to listen. Isaiah 55, starting in verse 1. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy. Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me, hear that your soul may live, 
And I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you did not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as high as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth and it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. All of this, all of this, is about how we ought to repent and return to the Lord. How, how God's Word is coming forth to speak to us because of His Holy One that is calling us, calling us to something else. And then it says in verse 12, For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace, and the mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands, and instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. As creation is waiting to do that very thing, and I'm looking at all of these weeds coming up, I just am trying to imagine the time that instead of thistles coming up, cypress trees are going... Whoa! You can do that? That's what we're waiting for? No wonder you're eagerly anticipating. No wonder you're groaning in agony, waiting for the time that you're going to be able to do all that you have have desired to do. Again, in Isaiah 65, it says, For behold, I create a new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. I shall rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. No more shall there be heard in In it, the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. That is going to be a great day. That, all of this, was given to us before Jesus came. All of these things were given to us in the prophet Isaiah before Jesus came. Now we have Jesus. Jesus has come and in some ways has inaugurated this time that that Isaiah has already predicted. So that we have the Holy Spirit who comes within us now to uh, enliven us and enable us so that we see the life that we are going to have. The life that these mortal bodies can't contain. The life that this mortal body can't handle because it's the spiritual life that is looking forward to glory where we will be revealed as the sons, the children of God. And the Spirit is going, Oh, it's coming. Oh, it's coming. It's coming. So that back in, in Romans 
chapter 8. Again, starting in verse 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it. In hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God that day when we and creation both will be set free from the the, uh, trappings, the things that are holding us back right now. For we know, verse 22, that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. It's just waiting for the birth to come and that glorious rejoicing in the new uh, creation that will come forth. And we're told what this looks like. Again, just rehearsing the words of Isaiah, but but, uh, bringing them to us afresh in Revelation chapter 21. In verse 1 it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be His people and God Himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have all passed away. That is what creation is longing for. Yearning for, eagerly anticipating along with us that one day, this time of futility and suffering will be turned into freedom and glory. And man, is that going to be a glorious day. Let's rejoice in that together. And the anticipation of that, even with the coming of spring and the glimpses of the good weather that is to come and the beginning of flowers and the anticipation of all that that will come, doesn't even begin to compare to the glory of eternity with God. Let's pray. Oh, Father, as we consider our state right now and the things that we are dealing with, it is difficult sometimes to um, see or appreciate what will come. But it is so easy to long for it. Lord, as we see the creation around us in its brokenness, still proclaiming Your glory, we ask that You would help us to do the same. That in these weak, mortal bodies, You would fill us with Your Spirit that we might proclaim Your glory even in the midst of weakness and sufferings. And Lord, we eagerly anticipate and rejoice in advance for the day when we will be revealed as Your children and creation will be made new so that we along with it 
may do what we have been intended to do from the beginning, to delight in your presence with us and to bring glory to your greatness. And so, Lord, we ask that even now, in in a limited way, you would enable us to do that. That we would delight in your presence with us, that you will never leave us because your Holy Spirit is within us. And that we might reflect your glory to those who are watching in the world that surrounds us. And we pray for these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.